This is episode 622 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. On today's podcast, we're talking about preparing to quarantine. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is usually an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website. But from time to time, I share information that will be helpful to your preparedness. Links for this podcast can be found in the show notes or on theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. Hey, this episode is sponsored by the exclusive Prepper Website email group, which allows you to communicate with other preppers right from your email. You don't have to worry about your every link, click, or word being tracked by social media. The email group also resides on the same servers as Prepper Website. So if you'd like some more information, you can click the link in the show notes or go directly to www.prepperwebsite.net. And guys, I want to let you know that there are going to be some things that change for that email group. So I just want to give you a heads up as uh, as things go on and things get better and things improve. You know, there's some uh, added benefits there, but things aren't always going to stay the same. And so I just wanted to let you know that things are things are going to change for the better on that. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into our episode. I want to talk a little bit about quarantining or preparing for a quarantine. Now, of course, this topic is coming up because of the coronavirus and the concerns of the coronavirus. I'm not really interested in going into the coronavirus per se. There's a lot of other podcasts I know that have done that. There's a lot of articles that are doing that. There's videos, people doing videos. Um, One of the people that I'm uh, following on a regular basis as they they are putting out videos uh, almost daily is Chris Martinson of peakprosperity.com. And I've already mentioned that before uh, on the previous episode, but I think he's uh, putting out some some good stuff. And uh, by training, he's an epidemi- epidemiologist. I think I can say that there, those big words. And so uh, there's there's some information there that I think is, is valuable. And because he's coming from the world of finance and he's looking at numbers and graphs and, and all of that kind of stuff, I think it's helpful to, to have someone that looking at that kind of stuff, looking at the numbers that are coming out about the coronavirus. Now, I I think I said it last week and I'll say it again. I don't necessarily trust uh, the communist government of China to be able to give you or to be truthful of all the things that are that are happening over there. What I really want you to think about, what I want you to, uh, you know, to, to pay attention to is what you're seeing and not seeing out of China. So that's that's important. So what you're seeing is the Chinese government has locked down many cities. So people are not allowed to get out and people are are not going to work. They're not going to school. They're not meeting in big gatherings. This is happening during one of their most popular holidays of the whole year, the Chinese New Year. And it's really disrupted all of that. And so you have that going on. You know that they've built some some hospitals and they're they're also building or putting beds and stadiums and, and different you know big places like that. The other thing that you're not seeing from all this you know from what's going on in China is that you're not seeing a lot of videos and you're not seeing a lot of people on social media from China speaking to the world. So imagine all these people are in quarantine or they're in you know they're in their homes, they're not going out. But you don't really see any videos. Think about that just for a second. China is a very highly technological. Well, they're they're very you know advanced technologically. Everybody has phones and things like that, so you know they're going to be on social media. So imagine everyone being at home and they're bored and they're sitting around, and so of course they're going to be t- taking selfies. They're going to be doing videos. Or they're going to be doing all those kinds of things, and you don't really see that on social media. There are some things that you see on social media, like somebody said, somebody mentioned this on Twitter. It's like you see the the positive things, or at least the things that China is doing good, like they're building the hospital. So you, you'll see that. There was a video that that was on Twitter of people that would go to their balconies and they were all singing, and someone took a video of that and pushed that out. So of course, all these people like helping lift each other's spirits by singing on their balcony. So you see things like that. You see, you know, whatever they're trying to do to help the situation, but you don't see all the other things that that could could be coming out from people that are talking about 
the the coronavirus and and their day to day lives and things like that. So I think that's very important. You, there's this you know this shutdown of the internet of things that can get out of China, and so again, think about what you see, what you don't see. The other thing about this is that you're talking about an economic situation now. So a lot of the you know there's articles, people talking on Twitter about the economic side of this because China has pretty much come to a standstill. And so do you really think a government is going to hurt themselves economically because of, you know, 800 people who have lost their life because of a virus? I don't think so. I think it's time to really look between the lines. Now, there's a lot of other things, like I said, on Twitter, things that people have shared, and I really don't want to go into all of that, but start thinking critically about what you see, what you don't see. I think one of the things that I'm paying attention to is this cruise ship that is docked outside of uh, Japan. And so you have these people that are on there, and I think there's, uh, at this point, there's 70 people, and of course I'm recording this on Sunday, February 9th, there's 70 people that have come down with the coronavirus. And so you have, uh, it jumped like it tripled in a day of the amount of people. So you have this enclosed area, which I guess if you've never been on a cruise, it's not so enclosed, but it is enclosed. You know, imagine, you know, working in a factory, working, you know, being in a mall, whatever. So, I mean, it is enclosed, but it's not enclosed. And you have all these people coming down with it. And some of those are Americans. And so the number, as I'm recording this right now, there's 12 uh, people in the United States that have the coronavirus. But then we have another 11 or 12 more people on this cruise that have it as well that are Americans. And there was a video that did come out of that. People that are quarantined to their room. And imagine being stuck in a little cabin on a cruise ship. And they did make a video, and that video did get out because Japanese, the Japanese government is not trying to lock down you know, the internet or anything like that. And they were sending a, an email or a video and asking you know, President Trump to, you know, to do something because here they are, they're in Japan, they're going to, you know, eventually I guess they can get off the boat, but then they got to make their way back to the United States. And so you have all of these you know, all of these things kind of kind of going going on. The other thing when we start talking about something like this is you don't want to sound like a wackadoo, right? I think a lot of people in the preparedness community have been burned because people have, you know, cried the, the sky is falling. So what starts to happen is people don't, you know, they're not as adamant. They're not as forceful as maybe they would have been back in the day about, hey, guys, this is very serious. You need to be careful. There are some people out there, but a lot of people are like, all right, just keep an eye on it. Keep an eye on it. Well, at some point you keep an eye on it and then, you know, it gets to a point where you're like, hey, I've got to start moving on this. I got to start thinking about this. And the problem is, is if you wait to move on this when everyone else is moving on it, well, then you know how it goes out in the grocery stores and supplies are very limited. I've spoken very often about what like the what the stores are like, the shelves when a hurricane is in the Gulf and it's going to, you know, to, to hit Texas or whatever. And, and people buy everything that, that are in the grocery stores, except for like hominy and, and, you know, vegetables and different things like that that no one really eats. And so it's like, you know, you can't wait till everyone else gets, gets it in their head. You got to be a little bit more proactive and you got to be ahead of it. And so, I think no one out there in the preparedness community wants to sound like, again, like I said, like a wackadoo, but I think it's smart at this point to start really thinking about it. When you start putting all the pieces together, when you start looking at what you're not seeing coming from China, um, the the little things that you hear uh, on Twitter and in alternative media, what some people are saying out there that are not the Chinese government uh, that are, you know, in positions to know something. And then you start, you know, you know how people react when there is panic. You know, I, I think it's time now to start really considering what you're going to do. And so if we were here in the United States or wherever you're listening to this episode, and I got to say, shout out to, you know, all over the world, I am, I'm getting 
hits from people all over the world and uh the the podcast is ranking in other countries and it's just it's really amazing to me and i really appreciate it so much those of you that are not in the united states that are listeners thank you so much for uh for being a part of the prepper website podcast and, and this preparedness community but so what happens when you are wherever you are in listening to this that things get so crazy that there is a quarantine, that there is a, hey, stay in your homes and don't come out because it's, it's really crazy and we don't want you know people to start spreading this virus. So what do you start thinking? What do you start doing? You know, or, or have you been planning for that? So let's talk a little bit about that today. So quarantine is something that we don't usually consider in preparedness. Now, we talk a lot about pandemics. And there are many articles. When I went back into the archive uh, on Prepper website, I have a ton of articles under pandemic and then pandemics. And so if you go to the research topic tab in the little drop down menu, you can go to the tag cloud and you can you can go read all those articles. But when I searched for quarantine specifically, there was probably about six to seven different articles out there. And really, a lot of them didn't go into what I what I was looking for. And so, but if you're, if you're wanting some more information, I'm going to link to the archive so you can go check that out. And, and I'm going to make it very, very easy for you. But someone would say, Todd, this is going to be a bugging out versus a bugging in situation. And yes, for a lot of people, a lot of preppers, it would be it would be that bugging in, bugging out. So at some point, maybe you live in the city, but you have property outside and you are bugging out and you're going to go quarantine yourself or you're going to go bug out and you just feel safer out there in the country and or wherever your retreat property is, um, you feel a little bit more comfortable there. And then a lot of people say, well, Todd, I have supplies to be able to bug in. So I guess it, it would be very similar to that. But it's different in the fact that you're not having contact with people on the outside. Uh, you know, you're not having contact with people outside other than your household. So if you were in a bug in situation, you still might go outside and talk with your neighbors. You still might wind up going to the grocery store if things weren't bad for whatever, you know, whatever reason you're bugging in or bugging out. But in this situation, when you're talking about a quarantine because of a pandemic, then you you are really wanting to keep yourself indoors because you don't want to go out there and risk bringing the virus into your into your home and and having you know having that go through your your family the people that you love. Now, when we talk about bugging in versus bugging out, the the idea is that you're going to have this time period, but. When people are talking about this quarantine, in fact, I was reading an article from the New York Times of all people, and they were talking about months. So I want to go there. There's this one paragraph that I want to read. And again, this is from the New York Times. The article is entitled, Toll from Outbreak Climbs in China as Infections Reach Europe and Australia. And this was published on January 24th. So it's already a couple of weeks old. And it was updated on January 25th. So I want to read one paragraph here just that talks about, you know, the fact that they're going to be they feel like they're dealing with this or they're going to be dealing with this for a while. So let me go ahead and read this. Experts are preparing for an outbreak that could last months. Dr. Gaudin Galia, the representative of the World Health Organization organization in Beijing, said in an interview on Friday that while much was uncertain, health officials were preparing for an outbreak that could last for months. He said that eventually thousands of people would most likely be infected, citing models produced by public health experts. Again, this is the New York Times. They're quoting someone from Beijing of the World Health Organization talking about your, that you're dealing with this for months. And so the question is, when we're talking about a quarantine, we're talking about keeping ourselves in our homes, are you prepared for months? I mean, you might be prepared for a week, two weeks with the idea of you can go resupply if, if, you, if you needed to, but are you prepared for a quarantine for months? The people in Wuhan, which, you know, when we start to think about Chinese cities, 
Some people think about, you know, they're thinking maybe in their head, they're thinking of a little village or whatever. Wuhan is bigger than New York City. It has 11 million people in it. And so when, when you're thinking about that big of a city, they were in quarantine overnight. They weren't told, hey, we're going to lock down the city in you know a week or you know anything like that. So go ahead and order from Amazon or Alibaba or wherever you're going to order from and go ahead and get your supplies. You, you didn't have time to do that. Those people are dealing with whatever they have. And according to the reports of people that are there, one person uh, from every family can leave the house every other day to go out and to get supplies. Now, that's still scary, but people are not stocked up like we would, you know, those that are those of us that are self-reliant minded, those of us that are preppers would be stocked up. The thing is, is why do you want to go out there and run the risk of of getting the virus and bringing it back to your loved ones? So when we're talking about preparing for months, what are you or are you prepared for months in your food, your water and medical supplies? Now, I've talked a lot about food and food storage, and I have the free food course that you can take on PrepperWebsite.net where you can very easily start your your pantry, your, your food storage just with canned goods. But, you know, that's one of those things. Start off with a menu and, and how long could you go? And I think that that's really smart to be thinking about if, if I couldn't leave my home for a month or two months, what kinds of things do I need here to be able to provide food for my family? And what about water? You know, the water is not being turned off. We're not hearing about that. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about utilities a little bit later on. But right now, water, you're getting it from the tap. But do you have any kind of water storage um, that you could begin to use and tap into if you needed it? And then medical supplies. So if someone does come down with the flu, if someone does come down with this virus, or maybe you're just dealing with allergies, you know, down here in the Houston area where it is unseasonably warm. I mean, here we are, February 9th, and I wore a short sleeve shirt to church today. I mean, it was like 67 or something like that. Very, very crazy. And we're fluctuating in our temperatures that, you know, we're dealing with allergies. And I mean, that can be a little freaky, right? If people around you are dropping because of the coronavirus and you start getting the sniffles or and you have sinus pressure and whatever because of, you know, whatever because of allergies so do you have any medical supplies though and what do those medical supplies look like do you have things if you're getting sick maybe you have the coronavirus and you can't make it to the hospital or you don't want to make it to the hospital because if you go to the hospital they're going to you're just going to be standing around and so if you're having to help someone uh, a loved one who is dealing with this you want to have medicines that are going to help them with the symptoms I, uh, I'm a big proponent proponent of Sambucol, which is elderberry, and you can get it almost anywhere now. Before, you could only get it on Amazon, or at least that's where I, I would only find it, and now you can almost get it anywhere. I mean, you want to go to Wally World or a drugstore. In fact, my drugstore, my local drugstore, has a whole end cap of Sambucol, different types of, you know, there's a liquid, there's uh, tablets that melt in your mouth, there's little gummies, all different kinds of things that you can use but, you know, it's supposed to really help when you're coming down with a flu and it is an immune booster. And I don't want to go into all the, the things about, the, about elderberry, but there is a lot of research out there of how it can be very beneficial almost as much as uh, Theraflu, uh, I guess. Is that the, that's the flu one, I guess. Uh, not Theraflu. Um, or whatever whatever that name is, I, I've just lost it. But anyway, the one that you go spend a fortune for is just as beneficial if you start taking it at the first signs of it. So I would want to have something like that. And I, I tend to get the tablets that will melt uh, or that will just dissolve on your on your tongue as opposed to the liquid, uh, because I think the, the tablets will last a little bit longer. So think about how often you go to the store. How often do you go to the store to buy groceries? Uh, I know people that go to the grocery store every single day. 
I mean, that's that's nuts to me. I, I wouldn't want to live like that, right? Go and you go to work, a long day at work, and then uh, before you get to go home and relax, you got to stop off at the grocery store to buy the food that you're going to cook for that night. No, I mean, you know, I, I want to have a, a deeper pantry. I want to have a menu that I'm prepared and I know what I'm cooking all week long. But some people, you know, don't have a lot of food in their pantry. And some of it is because maybe you live in an apartment. You, maybe you have a smaller home. Maybe you can't afford it. But right now, asking yourself that question, how often do you go to the store might be uh, an idea, might be helpful for you to be thinking about, okay, I'm used to going to the store every third day, every week, every two weeks. And then you can start to adjust your schedule accordingly so that if things got went sideways and you had to quarantine inside your home, then you have the supplies that you need, especially the food. Here's another thing. How often do you purchase certain items like laundry detergent and soap and toilet paper? Again, some people only purchase what they need. They don't have a stock or a supply of these things in their home. And so if you were quarantined and you were living, you know, you were you were having to stay at home, you're still going to have to do laundry. You're still going to take showers. You're still going to use the restroom. Now, you might not do as much laundry as you would if it was just normal times. Now, people might be wearing their clothes just a little bit longer. You might not be taking as many showers or as many baths. Or your kids might not be taking as many baths because they're not going outside and perspiring and all that different kinds of things. You know, you might back off on some of that stuff, but you're still going to need it. You're still going to have to go through that. So all the toothpaste, all the deodorant, all those different kinds of things that you do. Again, the laundry, uh, I talked about the laundry detergent, the toilet paper, how often do you go to the store and buy those things? Have you ever done just a little bit of an experiment where you maybe you use a, a toothpaste, you get a toothpaste, a brand new uh, squeeze uh, bottle out, and then you, you write down the date on it, or maybe you just write it down on a piece of paper, and then you, you use it like normal, or you and your spouse, or maybe everybody you know in the, in the household uses it like normal, and then when you take that last little bit of toothpaste down or out of it, you write down somewhere on a piece of paper, a journal of how long that one tube of toothpaste lasted. And then you're able to adjust there. Okay, if I need two weeks uh, or two months of this, then I need to get this amount of of uh, you know toothpaste or the same thing with shampoo and soap and laundry detergent. I think it's just smart to have an idea, a gauge of how much you need. It's really easy to go and say, okay, I'm just going to go buy two bottles of this and three bottles of that and three, you know, toothpaste tubes and, and all that kind of stuff. And it might not be exactly what you need. So doing a little bit of that planning, doing a little bit of that experiment, I, I think that's always smart. And if you've never done that, I would challenge you to do that and do that now. Bust out a brand new toothpaste uh, tube and then just kind of track how long it takes you to get through it. I think that's kind of smart. That will help you to to know, you know, how far a toothpaste tube would go for you and for your family. So how often do you purchase those very important items that a lot of the times we just we don't really even think about? We really don't even consider. I think it's smart to do a little bit of that. Another aspect as we're talking about this quarantine and we're talking about even the coronavirus in general one of the important things is to stay healthy, is to make sure that you are maintaining your health. So if you are eating things you shouldn't be eating, you know, you want to make sure you're boosting your immune immunity right now, your immune system. So eating uh, fresh fruits and vegetables and, and if you need to take vitamins, taking those vitamins. And I think it might be a good supply. It might be smart to have a good supply of vitamins anyway of, uh, you know, one of the you know, one a day vitamins for you and your family, just in case you get down to the point where you're starting to ration food or whatever, then you're making sure that you're getting, you know, what you need, your daily, your daily vitamins. But you want to make sure that you're staying healthy. What kinds of things can you do to, to maintain your health? You know, maybe you stop eating all the junk that you've been eating. Maybe you stop going out to eat and eating fast food and you start to think about what, what would it take for me to be healthy? What, what kinds of things? Maybe you just need to simply 
start drinking a lot more water. You know, and water is one of those things. Some people, I mean, I really enjoy drinking water. Some people don't like it. But, uh, you know, recently I was given one of those water bottles that had an infuser in it. And so they had all these different kind of fruits. They had pineapple, they had strawberry, they, they had ginger, they had basil, they had limes and lemon. And so if you don't just, if you don't like just regular water, I mean, get one of these bottles. They're not very expensive water bottles. Get, you know, put some fruit in there, limes, lemons, strawberries, whatever, and, and drink a little bit of infused water and to get that water in your system. It, water is so important. And a lot of people don't even realize it, that they're dehydrated. You know, one of the signs is that if you feel thirsty, then you're already dehydrated and you need to start drinking water. So that might be part of your staying healthy routine is that you need to start drinking some more water. Another very important aspect of if you were found to be in a quarantine or you needed to quarantine is that you need to stay up to date on what is happening. Now, one of the things that's that you're not seeing in the mainstream media is specifics about the coronavirus. I mean, right now you've heard so much about the impeachment and the State of the Union and Pelosi ripping up the, you know, the the president's uh, you know, notes and, and all of that kind of stuff. And you're hearing about, you know, all the other stuff that's not the coronavirus. And so, you know, today I, I did peek at CNN and I did go to Fox News just to see what they were saying, if they had anything. And, and they did. They do have some. um I guess, I guess some articles there, but it's not, they're not taking it. I guess it's, it's not front page, like the impeachment and all that other kind of stuff. And the, you know, the, the politics and, and what's happening with all of that and the, the divisiveness that's there. And so you want to make sure that you can go somewhere where you can stay up to date on what is happening. Now, alternative news, I think it's, it's important. Um, I think that's why, you know, I really do think that as people have moved further along in their preparedness, that they are looking for staying better prepared or at least staying better informed. And that's one reason I think the Alt News Hub over at Prepper website, that that is the second most popular page on the on the whole website because people are looking for that. People are wanting alternative news and the Alt News Hub puts it all in one place and makes it pretty easy. But you know, there's other places that you can go. I use Twitter. I've talked about that. Um, I, I've, I've talked about that a lot. How I don't follow other people back on Twitter. People get upset, but I because I, basically I don't want to fill my feet up with a bunch of other things. I want to look for news. That's why I go to Twitter. So, for example, right now I have followed people that are not news organizations, but uh, there's one person I believe she works for NBC. But she is stationed in China and she is in a quarantine herself, but she is reporting on what's going on and all her contacts and, and things like that. So I, I'm following her and that will be temporary when the coronavirus thing blows over. If it ever does, I will unfollow her because I don't necessarily necessarily care about all the other specific things that she'll be reporting on. Right now, it's important. But I do follow all different kinds of news organizations, some mainstream, some right-leaning, some left-leaning, a lot of alternative news, because I want to be able to get what, uh, I want to be able to know what is going on out there. And so that is going to be very important, staying informed. Staying informed is your friend. Those of you that are ham radio operators, you you might be able to, you have your network of people. And so if there was a quarantine situation, you would be able to communicate with other people. You would be able to share what's going on, at least uh, what you're hearing and being able to spread the, the, the news from, from one ham radio operator to the other. And, and hopefully that would be a great network that people could, could uh, lean in on. And so hopefully the internet would still be around or still up uh, when, uh, if a quarantine was going, going down and people could get information you can have a ham radio and not necessarily use it as far as broadcasting out. You can always listen to it. And so that's one thing, unless you have a license uh, or if you don't have a license, you can always listen to it, not necessarily broadcast. But a lot of people do have ham radio licenses out there. And so that might be another way that you could communicate with people. 
So what what if you are quarantined and you are in your in your home for this long amount of time, right? A couple of weeks, maybe a month. I mean, think about this. The people in Wuhan have been in this quarantine for two weeks now. And so what are you going to do? You're going to go stir crazy. So there would be there would be this time where it would be like a snow day. Now, here in, in the Houston area, a lot of people laugh at us because we have ice days. And the thing is, people just don't know how to drive on ice. You know, someone someone said to me just recently, even people up north don't know how to really drive on ice. You don't You don't just drive on ice. You slide on ice, right? But for whatever reason, we have ice days down here. And sometimes we've had ice days where school was canceled and then the day turned out to be a really beautiful day and and all the ice that was out in the morning wound up melting and didn't become an issue. There are times where we have ice days down here and school is canceled. Those of you up north, you have snow days and you get, you know, a, a big amount of snowfall and you wind up, you know, they wind up canceling school and you wind up staying at home. So in the beginning, if you have kids, it might feel like a snow day and you might have an employer that is, you know, although you're at home, that you might be working from home. But eventually that's going to get really, really old and your kids are going to get really, really bored. And I don't know about you, but if you have kids and they get bored, they start picking at each other and they start, you know, getting getting on each other and they're not able to go outside and run and burn off energy. You need to be a little bit more purposeful with how you're going to run your home if you find yourself in a quarantine situation. So one of the things that you're going to need to do is to establish routines and schedules. So this is going to be big. This should be big for you even if you don't have kids because a routine and a schedule can can help you, you know, manage your time better and not get you stuck, you know, in your in a in a funk, right? But those of you who do have kids, you're really going to need this. You're you're especially going to need this if you have family, if you're a family with kids. So for instance, you need to establish a morning routine. What would that look like? Again, if you know, at the very beginning, it's going to feel like a snow day or an ice day or whatever. And you might be staying up late and kids might be, uh, you know, sleeping in and you might even like them to sleep in. Right. So you can get up in the morning, have your coffee and not be bothered. But eventually, as things go on, you're going to need to establish a morning routine. Maybe everyone gets up at the same time. Maybe, you know, people are taking their showers. They're getting ready. They're putting on, you know, fresh clothes. People are coming to the breakfast table. They're, you're drinking your coffee. You're eating your breakfast. You're going through this morning routine where you are setting the day up. Maybe you have a, di- a time for learning and reading and studying. I mean, think about this. Let's say you're stuck in your home for a month. Maybe you have a time where you're like, hey, we are going to set you know, from this time to this time that this is going to be school. So you're not going to, you know, your, your, your school, your physical school, but you're going to have school here. So we are going to either be reading from this time to this time. You're going to be reading a book. You're going to be reading something that's educational. You're going to be studying something. Maybe they they have their books from school. Maybe you're able to get online. Maybe you're able to, to do something along those lines. They're going to be learning something. Maybe they're just crafting. Maybe they're finding things that that they can do. And you know, one of the big things that I know that is very popular right now is robotics. So, uh, you know, you can buy something called a micro bit for twenty five dollars. And you, if you have kids that are scientific and they like computers, you can get them to do you know to program a micro bit. And they, you know, there's so many different things that they can do. So learning how to code, learning, learning all of that kind of stuff. If you, if you have, you know, the internet and, and that would be, that would be great. But having a time where you are learning, reading, studying that you, you're taking that time. Maybe you have a time if you are a religious family and you're coming from, you know, a spiritual background, maybe you have a time for Bible study and prayer. I mean, in this situation, the people, if you are quarantining, people are going to be hurting. People are going to be dying. People are going to, and not just hurting from from the virus, people are going to be hurting from not having food and not having supplies and being scared. Maybe you can, 
you, you would be praying for those people. You would be reading the Bible. You would be growing in your faith. That would be something that you can do. What about having time for play and family fun? Because again, if you don't have something very purposeful, the kids are going to get on each other's nerves. So maybe you take a little bit of time to set, you set a little bit of time in in the day to say, okay, this is fun time. And you bust out cards or you bust out board games. You know, depending on the ages of the kids, I mean, you're going to have kids that want to get on their playstations and their tablets and their computers. But I would say, no, you need to, you know, don't use this time here, this family playtime as that. Bring them around, do some card games, do some board games, do something that, that is fun for the family so that you are building that, you're building those relationships with each other. Another thing you might want to do or the time that you might want to set is an individual quiet time. So maybe after your family fun time, you're like, okay, guys, we're going to have a quiet time and you can do whatever you want just as long as it's quiet. So if you want to go play your game, if you want to go on the internet, if you want to go read a book, if you want to listen to music, put your headphones on. If you want to do, you can do whatever you want to do, but it's just quiet time. We're going to have an hour of quiet time. And then you can have free time. And you can you can set that time up. It's like, hey, we're going to have free time. And you can do whatever you want. So things might get a little bit crazier in the house. Things might get a little bit louder or whatever, but at least it's free time. Of course, you're breaking all these up. You're making all these schedules and, and you're sticking to it. And then what about exercise? Just because you'll be sitting around a lot, you'll need to burn off some energy. Maybe as a family, you get together, you know, in the front room and hey, we're going to exercise together. We're going to do some jumping jacks. We're going to do some sit-ups. We're going to do some push-ups. We're going to do, you know, some leg lifts. We're going to run in place. We're going to do those types of things to help us to be able to burn off that energy. But at the same time, keep our bodies in a place where we are, you know, pushing it just a little bit so that we're not just sitting around not doing anything. I think that's really smart. So what do you do then? Because eventually at some point you might have to go outside. You need to develop uh, uh, you know, your plans and your procedures on what that's going to look like. And maybe you have decontamination procedures. So maybe you have a decontamination room. Now, I don't really necessarily want to go into all of that. But if you're going out there, let's just say like the people in Wuhan, like I said, they get to go out one person one person in the family gets to go out every other day so they go out there and maybe they're going to the grocery store and then they're coming back you want to be careful about what you're bringing in or back into your home i mean what's the use of being in quarantine if you're bringing back a virus or you're bringing back the nasty stuff so having a room where maybe you take everything off and maybe you're able to shower you're able to I don't know, have some kind of disinfectant that you're able to spray all over yourself. Maybe you go out and you have gloves on and you have all of that kind of stuff. You you do all that and maybe you're just washing your face and your hair really, really good because everything else is covered up. And then when you take off your clothes, you're doing it in a way that you're not contaminating your skin or or anything else like that. So there needs to be some ideas on that and maybe a little bit further research on how would you come back into the home if there was someone that needed to go out to make sure that they weren't bringing the nasties back in? The other side of that is going to be, what if someone does get sick? Now, there's been a lot of articles on creating a sick room and, and all of that kind of stuff. And actually, I believe some of the articles in the archive do cover that. I know Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy cover that quite often. If you don't have their book, uh, the Survival Medical Handbook, I, I definitely would recommend having it. And they also have their book on the infectious diseases, antibiotics and, and infectious diseases. That is a, a must read, I think, for everyone, at least to have as a uh, as a manual, just in case things like this start happening. But, you know, having a sick room where you're putting someone who maybe is starting to get sick and you're able to protect the rest of the family, that's something that needs to be thought about. And uh, that's a scary, a scary situation to be in. But again, you're, you're being responsible. You have other, you have family members that are counting on you. And so putting a little bit of thought into what you would do, I think that's important. 
So what about you get to a situation where you are in quarantine, but then there are desperate people outside and maybe the poop really hasn't hit the fan, but they're wanting to come inside. So maybe there is some deception. I'm a, I'm a big fan of this. I'm a pastor. I know I'm a Christian, but um, having a little bit of deception in the fact that if someone was coming and trying to get in, or maybe they were ringing your doorbell, maybe you're letting letting people know, hey, we're not feeling good in here. We're sick. You don't want to come in here. You know, maybe like putting a sign out in the door that says, hey, some of us are sick in here. Please leave all deliveries on the front door or, you know, uh, please don't ring the doorbell. Uh, We have people that are sick in here or something along those lines that would get people. Remember, when we talk about our homes and we talk about putting layers of defense in there, the idea is to make it uh, hard enough, hardened enough to make people want to go to another home. And so someone who is worried, unless they were really desperate, worried about catching the disease, they come up and they see that they might be like, all right, I'm going to the next house over, right? Or I'm going to another neighborhood because people in there are sick. I don't want to risk it. And so that's what I'm talking about. You know, being a little deceptive there is is being ready for something like that. The other thing is, is just the self-defense aspect of it. You might not consider, you know, self-defense being important, but you know, that is something that is important, you know, being a self-reliant or self-reliant minded person. I was talking to someone this week about, you know, uh, my friend said that I should probably get a shotgun. And, you know, they were they were talking about all the craziness that's going on in the world and, and all the, the crime and different things like that. And they live by themselves. And I was like, oh, hey, you might you might want to consider that. That might be smart to uh, to have something along those lines. So, you know, what would you do or how would you defend yourself if things got a little bit crazier if push comes to shove? And then the thing is, what if things really go sideways? What if things really get bad? And people, you know, people, I mean, the Spanish flu and people stopped going to work and people, you know, you'll have all, you know, it's just this domino effect is what's going to wind up happening. So we already see it happening from China. So because people are not going to going to work, we, we, the, the estimate was that their, their power consumption, their fuel consumption was going to be, was going to drop anywhere between 25 to 50%. So you might have already noticed it where gasoline prices are starting to go down. So you have the most populous nation in the world dropping their their fuel consumption by 25 to 50%. Can you imagine what that does on the world scene? And so you have you know less demand for oil. Now that's fine, you know, here in America, we're going to see prices go down, you know, oil is not everything down here. But in some parts of the world, oil is everything. So like you have Russia who depends on oil exports. And so if you have, you know, the oil, they're not selling oil. There's not a demand for oil and, and, and all, you know, that export, then they're going to be hit financially as well. Their economy is going to be hit. So you have this domino effect. And I'm just talking about China right now. I'm not even talking about the virus spreading. I'm talking about the economics of it. So you have this, this, you know, going around. And, and so what if Russia is getting upset with, another country because they're not buying or they're not, you know, they're, they're pulling back or they're, they're creating as much oil as, as they always have. And so, you know, Russia doesn't get all the, the money that they're used to having. There's already some, you know, ideas that, or there are ideas out there that they're, they're struggling financially already because, you know, oil has dropped and it's not where it used to be. And now this, this is going to, you know, cause a little bit of, of, of pain. And so what if there was some, a war or a skirmish that was started to make oil prices go back up again, right? That's one thing to, to consider. You have exports from China that are going to drop off. So you're not going to be getting the, the electronics that maybe you're used to, the items that you're used to seeing. We're not going to have, you know, there's, there's talk about people not going back to the factories to work until they have masks for everyone and there's a shortage of masks out there. 
So, you know, one one tweet that I was listening to or that I was reading, I wasn't listening to it. I guess you can listen to it if it's a video. But one of the, the tweets out there was that the companies were or I guess the authorities were expecting companies and factories to have two masks per employee per day. So when you're already at a shortage of those and you have people that, you know, everything that is being made is being diverted to Wuhan, to, you know, the hotbed of the virus and, and everybody else is wanting them as well. There was some, uh, again, someone had, had commented on this tweet or the thread that some companies, it felt like they were diverting some of the things, some of the supplies that were going to Wuhan to their companies. Maybe they were paying more black market or whatever because they wanted to make, you know, to get back into production because these these people that own factories and they don't want to, you know, lose money. They don't want to be sitting around for a month. And so you have all this, this stuff that's happening, the domino effect. So what if it happens here and we start seeing this domino effect happening here? I mean, trucks aren't going to drop off groceries, right? Our just-in-time system, that's going to be an issue. Even if people were leaving their home to go to the grocery store, Pete, you know, you're not going to have the supplies that, that you necessarily want. What if people are not going to hospitals because they're afraid of catching the virus, you know, workers? Well, then people that really have a heart attack or cancer treatments or dialysis or whatever, then those people wouldn't be able to be treated either. What if people aren't going out in public and they're not going to the utilities? They're not running the waste treatment plants. They're not running the, the water. They're not running electricity plants and, and those different kinds of things. Well, then, you know, that, that, can be, that can be very detrimental. That can start to have this, again, this domino effect where we really go down the SHTF route. There is a show, I've talked about it very often, and uh, it was one that my wife, I think it really kind of got her thinking about preparedness. It's called After Armageddon. I've talked about it a lot. It was a docudrama on, um, I think this guy was a nurse, and there was a pandemic, and uh, all the different things that he goes goes through and his family, and then all the other, you know, they had experts coming in and talking about it. I, I know that you can find it on YouTube, so it might be worth your watch or to, to go search it out and, and to watch it. But that's basically what happens in after Armageddon. There's a pandemic that people start to become afraid to go out in public. And then you have this cascading, you know, this domino effect that just goes goes on. And, and people, you know, the water stops running, electricity stops going on. And, you know, it's basically SHTF, right? Mad Max. Would that Would that happen? I don't know. We had the Spanish flu and and different things like that. And it it didn't happen then. But we live in crazy times. So I'm not saying that that that's where it's headed. But you can see the potential for that if things get crazier. And so one of those things is you need to be thinking about that. What about just not even everything going sideways? What about a hit to your finances? What if you have to stay quarantined for two weeks or three weeks? What would that do to your finances? Now, some of you who are on a, maybe a salaried position and you could work from home, maybe you would be fine. Those of you that have an emergency fund, you would be fine. But there's a lot of people and there's always reports. I know Michael Snyder is always putting out you know, articles that most people can't cover. Most Americans can't cover a $400 bill you know, if, if it popped up. So what would it be like if you couldn't go to work for two weeks, if you were an hourly employee or if your employer decided not to pay you because they don't have money coming in because they're not selling and they're not paying you. And and so what would it be, you know? So let's just say maybe your electricity would get turned off because you couldn't pay for it. Now, maybe the government would come in and say, okay, no, we're going to override all that. We're going to, we're going to uh, not let companies turn it off, turn off your electricity. But there you go. I mean, you have you have that consideration as well. That's one reason why you need to have an emergency fund. You never know why you need to why you would need to dip into it. And so uh, you want to have that budget and get out of debt as much as possible so that you can stock up some money like you stock up supplies. But a lot of reasons, a lot of things to think about here when we when we're talking about this again, I want to go back to the people in Wuhan 
they weren't given a lot of time to prepare for this quarantine and, and what was going on. So you might not have that. If, if it gets to that, you might not have that either. So the time to prepare is now. It's not later on down the road. It's not, you know, when, when the CDC comes out and says, okay, guys, this is a pandemic or yeah, it's time to worry. It's not, it's not that time. It's now because the minute that the majority of the nation, whichever nation you're in listening to this, the the minute the majority understands them and it goes mainstream, not even the majority, the minute it goes mainstream media, then people are going to panic. Even if there's no, people will panic, even if there's no truth to it. So, you know, people will panic and then you won't have supplies. You won't be able to get to them. So right now would be the time to start preparing and thinking about that. Again, I don't want to be a wackadoo. I don't want to be one of those people that say, okay, the sky is falling, but you can't wait to prepare if this is a concern for you. You can't wait until it's mainstream media, you know, for you to go out there and start saying, okay, now I'm going to stock up for a month. Because that that'll probably be too late. So start going through these things. You might have a spouse who's not you know favorable to preparedness. Uh, maybe maybe they will be when they start looking at this pandemic thing. And you go you go to them and you say, hey, look, I I, I don't want to do this out of fear, but I just want to be prepared. I mean, think about the people in Wuhan. Let's let's look at the numbers that are happening, what's going on. And you start talking about this and you just say, I want to be prepared. Listen, any spouse that 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 hears, I want to be prepared for you and our kids. And I want to make sure that we are taken care of. I, I can't imagine any spouse being being at the, at the point where they're like, no, you're crazy. Because you're coming out of concern for your family. And that's what it's about. It's it's being prepared so that when you know the poop hits the fan, that your little ones or your spouse doesn't look at you and say, Hey, what what are we gonna do here? And you have no answers. You want them to look at you and say, Hey, what are we gonna do here? And you have the answer to get them through this situation. So we might never ever see quarantine. We might never, ever see the true coronavirus pandemic here in the United States or wherever you're listening to this. But again, it goes into that preparedness. You know, we prepare because we want to be prepared if we need it. Because if you wait to when you need it, it's not going to be available. And again, a lot of preparedness is just putting things in place that you're going to use anyway. And so, you know, food that you buy, detergent, soap, toothpaste, you know, those types of things, you're going to use all those things up anyway. And so if you go into it like that, then, you know, you go into it feeling a little bit more comfortable if you're hesitant about stocking up. Well, guys, those are my thoughts on preparing for a quarantine. Hey, if you have any other thoughts, if you have any other ideas, maybe something that I uh, didn't didn't touch on, I'd love for you to come over to episode 622 of the prepper website podcast.com and then you know drop it in the comment section. I think we're we're still going to be talking about this as we uh, you know in the coming weeks as we see things uh, begin to, to to move one way or the other. Well everyone that's it for episode 622. Hey to subscribe to the show you can head on over to the prepper website podcast.com. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And don't forget, if you're looking for more preparedness and self-reliant information, you can head on over to www.prepperwebsite.com where we link to 8 to 12 articles every day of the very best self-reliant articles out there. We also have pages dedicated to alternative news, firearms, DIY, Bible prophecy, frugal living, and homesteading. And you can find those with the little drop-down menu on the top right-hand corner. And lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. When you do, I'm going to send you a free PDF on the 25 handpicked preparedness articles that you should read. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.